0: Welcome families to another episode of Thriving Autism Families. I'm your host, Crystal Sanford, special education advocate and speech pathologist and also fellow autism mom. So happy to be here with you in our show where we offer insight, humor, and hope for the autism parenting journey. Uh, thank you again for joining us today. We have a really awesome topic. We are going to talk about Life Hacks for Autism Families, and who doesn't need a life hack right about now Uh, with so much going on in our lives? You know, anything that can help us to be more focused, peaceful, organized, right? These are the things that we're looking for. So we're going to discuss that with our special guest today, Susie Harder. Um, Also remember families that uh, our show is for your informational purposes only. So if you are in need of medical or legal advice, please do contact a professional in that area. So again, today, our guest is Susie Harder. Susie is a clinical speech pathologist who is also the founder and director of three organizations to support kids. As a speech language pathologist, Susie has worked in the school setting and taught graduate level speech pathology courses until she opened her own practice, Central Valley Stuttering Center in Clovis, California. She is currently one of California's top requested workshop speakers in her area of specialty, a consultant for school districts across the state, a director, I'm sorry, a direct clinical service provider and coaches parents and how to support their kids at home. In addition, Susie is the founder and director of Kids Rebuild, a nonprofit she created to engage kids in a community-based rebuild project after the devastation of a wildfire. Her nonprofit journey led her into authoring a children's book to support kids who lost homes in a fire in her hometown. Her book, Where's My House, is a bestseller in four categories on Amazon, with 100% of the book proceeds going towards kids who lost homes in the Central California Creek Fire. Following the success of her children's book, Susie launched a national school-based program to help kids get excited about books, which is also so awesome. (coughs) Her program, Authorable, allows classrooms to journey behind the scenes of the actual children's books she's currently working on at any given time. Kids have the opportunity to ask Susie questions and even contribute toward making decisions as the book is created. And as a true speech-language pathologist, all the decisions are presented as three choices which means kiddos who are non-speaking can contribute toward making a book in real time. Susie is clearly passionate about supporting children, yet she is most dedicated to her role as a mom, to her four and seven-year-old kiddos, which will be our focus today. Well, Susie, so excited to have you as our guest today. Hi, Crystal. Thank you for having me. Yes, it is my pleasure. Always happy to talk with another speech pathologist. First of all, um, so that's always so cool. Um, and a mom right in the trenches, right? Just, yes. just, know, just <laughs> living, living, parenting living. is hard. Yeah, yeah, it can be for sure. And then on top of that, you know, with layers, uh, when you're parenting a kiddo who has some unique needs, so mm-hmm. you know. Uh, For those who are listening, you know, uh, again, I'm Crystal Sanford, your host, and I parent a daughter who now is 11. She's on the autism spectrum. And so, you know, I've worked so many years in public schools, but also um, living the life as an autism parent as well. I understand those unique challenges. So, you know, let's just dive in, Um, Susie. What is it um, that led you to develop this program? Um, And what are some of the needs that you've heard from parents
1: Mhm. Well, I think right now, you know, everyone is so burnt out and <laughs> there's so much being asked of parents all day every day and so I think my role and what I'm excited about today is that we get to kind of dive into as a speech pathologist who's at home trying to make it work, you know, what are those trial and error things that I'd say, okay, at the end of the day, here are a few things that I are my go-to items at home with my own kids in tough situations, uh, (laughs) tough conversations with my husband about things that, you know, we're both really working hard to understand. And kind of how do we support parents who, I mean, days are just, long sometimes and so you know what are those little things that might make a difference each day
0: yeah and i and i really appreciate that because it really is the little things you know sometimes it's just you know tweaking how we say things or do things that can make a really big difference and impact um in our lives and and you're right you know all of us you know as of uh 2020 you know after covid we have just really become stretched in many ways Um uh, I know parents, you know, out there. You're listening. You're probably, you know, overwhelmed, overworked. You're trying to still navigate life at home, working, kiddos, and, and whatnot. IEPs, you know, which is uh, my specialty and how I help families in the IEP process. So, um, so, Susie, what's one yeah. thing that parents can do? What's
1: one of those autism family or parenting hacks? Yes. Well, and I'd say, kind of leading into that, that I find as a parent, the days that I have something to try even if it's a tiny, tiny, tiny thing, I am much more excited about the day (laughs) than when I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I just need to make it through the next hour. Okay. One more hour. (laughs) Right. right, Um, So I would say one of the things that can be applied in so many situations is making it visual. And often Mm -hmm. I have scratch paper and markers and I'm Drawing a version of something. It's never pretty. It never looks good. Um, You know, I'm not waiting until I can do this beautiful thing with Google Images and laminate it and Velcro. And that's amazing. And as a speech pathologist, I do that often. As a mom, that's kind of like a trap for me to never actually do it. And so I have post-its, I have paper. So I often find myself doing a lot of picture schedules with just some very simple boxes and kind of here's one, two, three, and then here, you know, we're crossing it off. We're transitioning that. I mean, it works in so many ways. Um, That's also how I do a lot of kind of retail from the day. So if that's for my husband and if we have, you know, a really eager, not regulated kiddo who we're trying to get information from if yeah. we have it structured in, okay, you know, here's the first thing we're going to tell dad, okay, and then, and they don't need to really be giant things, but maybe it's, you know, that he got the goldfish that he was working for, the snack, and, yeah. you know, I mean, just those little things that are a highlight of that child's day, um, you know, I that's, love, oh, go ahead
0: I was going to say that's so powerful because so many of us as moms, we get caught, what I say, in that Pinterest trap. Mm -hmm. Um, I really appreciate you saying it can just be a sheet of paper and some markers and let's just get it done. Um, you know, they, they talk about the analysis of paralysis and trying to wait till something's perfect. You know, it's never going to be perfect, but Mm -hmm. um, how about you just implement that strategy or whatever it is right now and see some change and see some success. It doesn't, and kids don't care if it's handmade.
1: And I really think there's so much value. My mentor, when I was living in Chicago uh, would always draw and make things with kids during her sessions. And so Mm -hmm. when I became a mom and started looking at, you know, how am I actually going to do some of this stuff at home? It was, it's fascinating watching their little brains Mm -hmm. understand because you're making it in real time. It isn't this beautiful, you know, kind of product that you're bringing in. Um, My night routines that we've had, I mean, we've had so many versions of them, you know, and whether those are, you know, brush teeth and this, um, sometimes it's behavior-based and it's kind of like, we're going to do this with gentle hands, (laughs) we're going to do this with calm voices. We're going, you know, and so, you know, it, they look different over time, but I love that they can be in real time. And you know, my, my son now makes his own kind of positive behavior charts. And so, and he's seven. And so sometimes I look at him, he's like, I'm going to make some boxes for myself.
0: (laughs) Because now you have equipped him with some tools, with something in his toolbox, he can carry that for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, because now it's not just mommy telling me. Now it's, I sense that I'm in a space that I need this. Um, and that's really powerful, the kids kind of to take that on. So, you know, kudos to
1: <laughs> And I think that that kind of goes along with what I guess would kind of be number two in the idea that, you know, us being able to walk alongside and support is so different than saying you need to do this. I'm telling you to do this. And so when we look at, you know, talking about what is it that we want kids to be doing? What language do we use around that? How do we incentivize that without it being prompt driven? You know, what kinds of things do we do in that situation? And I love the idea of you know, earning things. And it's not that we're taking them away if you don't get them. You have the opportunity to earn this. So when my son, you know, Trying to head upstairs to go to the bath. And there's a whole thing, and it's, you know, sometimes it's countdown based, sometimes, but Mm -hmm. there's something he's earning. So for him, it was a color drop, the little Crayola color drops. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, you know, you can earn a color drop for bath tonight. You know, I'm watching for your body to be moving up the stairs toward the bath calm body. And if your body is in the bathroom, ready to take a bath, by the time I count down, you're going to get a color drop. That's so exciting. I wonder which color you're going to get and just really leading that direction. Mm -hmm. And it allows us to talk about what is it that will happen? Not all of the don't, 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 which is so easy to get kind of tied into. Yeah, that is
0: just spot on, you know, and that really lines up with what should be happening at school. So, you know, parents, as you're listening, uh, you know, the federal law, IDEA is our federal, uh, our nation's special education law. And a part of that when it comes to behavior is PBIS, so Positive Behavior Intervention Supports. And so schools should be doing exactly what Susie just said. Schools should be rewarding kids for engaging in those behaviors that we're looking for, those target behaviors, but they should not be using something that's punitive. So they shouldn't be taking away when the kid does the the non-preferred behavior but they should be rewarding when they're engaging in that preferred behavior. So if you know your kiddos are, you know, the, the notoriously missing lunch, well they get ta- they can't go to a recess, I'm sorry. Uh, because they have ADHD and they blurted out again and the teacher took away their recess. Like that is not what's supposed to happen. Like our kids, those who can't sit still should be definitely running around at recess. You don't take things away, but what you do is reward when they're engaging and talk about what it looks like. And, 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 um, try to build that motivation uh, for engaging in that preferred behavior. So, um, so yeah, thank you, Susie. That's, that's perfect. Yeah.
1: When I feel like that leads directly into what I would say is probably my number three and it is along the sensory lines of really, Mm -hmm. truly trying to understand why is this behavior happening from a sensory perspective and the power that that gives us as a parent to be able to shift and to be able to know when do I discipline and when do I need to add a replacement behavior? What is the driving force behind this? So for example, my son is very sensory seeking and is very loud and intense. And it is something that is, it's, it's something that shifts the vibe of our house often. And so when he sits there and he's drumming on the island with his spoon and it's seven in the morning and everyone else is calm and he's like, I'm ready for a concert. Can I go do a concert? And it's so loud and intense. And so my husband's response, which is a normal dad response and not to generalize, but just kind of, I feel like Oftentimes da- the dads that I work with, and in my uh, you know, perspective from my husband, dads are often thinking about what does this actually look like when he's 18? D- this looks disrespectful. Mm-hmm. This is this is going to get him bullied. He mm-hmm. can't do this. And right. so oftentimes I find myself coming back to the sensory piece when I'm having those conversations with my husband and saying, I understand and I am with you. He cannot be doing this. Specific thing right here, right now. Mm -hmm. Also, his body needs something. So, what is it that his body needs? Because our goal isn't to tell him what not to do, it's to help him know what to do. And so, in this situation, he needs an outlet, he needs proprioceptive input. Okay, let's build that into our morning routine. Let's do some things that proactively build that in. And so, you know, whether that's through the, you know, guidance of an OT, which I highly recommend. (laughs) I feel like everyone should have a good OT friend. Um, you know, but figuring out the why behind things like my son is a stomper and it's not, you know, it's just purpose. But when he goes upstairs and he's stomping around, my husband's like, I'm going to blow up right now. (laughs) Okay. That's my note. I need to figure out what he needs and put that in.
0: Yeah, that is really good. And so many of our kids, especially we're talking about, you know, families uh, of autistic kiddos. There's definitely a sensory component for sure. Um, but um, just being able to think about it from that perspective will help you to respond to it in a better way. So um, if they are, you know, throwing their food, OK, OK what does that mean? Does that mean that they don't like the texture? Does it mean that they need a break? You know, whatever it is, and then focus on, okay, what can I do to to meet that need, that sensory need? Mm -hmm. And then likely you'll see those behaviors, you know, begin to diminish, which is what we're looking for.